Good morning. Welcome to Friends Church. You're not used to me being up here, are you? (laughs) I've always heard the band talk about the countdown and how daunting it is. It's true. That's really daunting. So today, we're going to talk about something completely different. But since you've never experienced me coming up first, I want you to just kind of take a moment and take a deep breath with me. If you're at home, if you're driving, just take a deep breath. So this week I was at my counselor, and I, she's going on sabbatical, so I said, just pick whatever you want to work with me. And she said, I want you to feel joy. I thought, okay. So she said, okay, I want you to feel joy starting in your heart. So I want to encourage you all, if you're open to this, to try and do this with me. I found this really hard. Clearly, I'm not a very joyful person. (laughs) So here's what I want you to do. Think of something that makes you feel joy in your heart. Not up here, not in your brain, not like, oh, hey, I should be joyful about this, but actually joy in your heart. So let's take a deep breath. Is it a moment of sun? My counselor was like, you seeing a puppy play on the ground? I was like, that's not joyful. Anyone enjoy on that one? Think of a moment of peace, a moment where things went really well. And try and feel it right in your heart. I know it's a bit weird, but just try it with me. For me, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it for the longest time. And finally, she was like, well, what stuff brings you joy? And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like a speaker system, a stereo system in your home with the speaker set up perfectly and tuned perfectly, and you have this beautiful stereo image that totally blows your mind and makes you feel like you're in another space, oh, I can feel that now. <laughs> she kind of looks at me like, you're an idiot. But whatever, if it's working for joy, it works for joy. So try and feel that peace. Now try and just, if you can, close your eyes. And if you feel joy in your heart, just kind of give me a little nod to see where we're at. Or give me a hand up or like, hey, this is working. Your heart kind of feels like happy and open. Anyone feeling joy in their heart? Okay, now try and hold that joy in your heart. And at the same time, I want you to think about your experience with traditional religion. Growing up with traditional religion, your aunt, your uncle. Tell me, are you still feeling that same level of joy in your heart? For me, as soon as I felt that, that joy collapsed out of my heart. And suddenly I was thinking about, well, what did I do wrong? You know, this was all about bad stuff. We grew up in this church kind of like this, where there's like a sanctuary section, and then there's a gym. So picture little Vince, eight years old. I have big curly hair that's about this big. It's this massive afro. And I'm like borderline ADHD or possibly very ADHD. So I've just sat in Sunday school for an hour. What do you think I want to do right now? So me and my buddies are like racing out here, ripping down the hallway into the gym because we want to have fun. We want to enjoy ourselves. This thing has been literally mind-numbingly, I don't even know what to say. My soul feels dead. And if I can go play for a few minutes, then maybe I can have some fun in my life again. I can enjoy myself. Until we saw this guy, we called him, his name was Mr. Shapansky. I have to say it really carefully because we had a nickname for him. (laughs) 
they called him Mr. Shespanky because he's basically as fun as getting corporal punishment. As soon as he saw us having fun, enjoying ourselves in a church, how dare you? You're enjoying yourself in a church? He'd kick us out. So think of, you know, five, eight-year-old boys like or coming out the doors, this old man's like, you shouldn't be having any fun. This should be crappy. What view do I have of church? What view did you have of church growing up? Was it positive? Or did you have your own little Mr. Spanky? Where it was focused on, you know, what did I do wrong? I've been asking people this whole week, what was your experience of traditional church? One lady, I sat her down and said, hey, can I ask you some questions? And then she knows me well enough. She's like, oh, great. This is going to be in a message, right? And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I said, what, you, know, you grew up in traditional church like I did. What was your experience? What was it like? She was like, oh, it was great. I was like, oh, cool. Was there any stuff you couldn't do? She's like, oh, no, it was fine. Could you have sex before marriage? Oh, hell no. Could you swear? Hell no. Could you take the Lord's name in vain? Well, of course not. Vince, like, seriously. Could you wear your normal clothes at church? She's like, of course I couldn't, Vince. For her, traditional religion was framed in all the things I can't do. I asked my wife. She usually likes to think about things deeply. Hey, babe. You know, what was traditional religion like for you? Without a millisecond of hesitation, no drinking, no dancing, no sex before marriage, no fun. So we start off this message with this feeling of joy. I don't know for you, but as soon as I started thinking about traditional church, it was, what didn't I do? I I liked the wrong person. They were the wrong gender. I was wrong. Something was wrong. And then this whole series, I read this thing from Jesus. He says, you know people who are doing good spiritual work by the fruit of their life. And then I read Paul, and Paul has this mind-blowing list of things. He says, we know people's, the, 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 the joy or the, the effectiveness of their spiritual practice is measured by joy. Did anyone ever talk to you about joy? In all of your your experience with traditional religion, when you watch The Simpsons and Ned Flanders next door was like the epitome of Christian tradition, what was his feelings towards joy? Homer, you're enjoying your beer? That's bad. If you're enjoying anything, it's bad. And yet Jesus and Paul are saying the measure of our spiritual practice is measured by our joy. And I could just feel my brain kind of going, I don't get this. If you grew up in the Catholic tradition, they had this thing called confessional. You go in and you say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been however long since my last confession. Then you tell them all the things that you weren't supposed to do that you did that week or that month or that year. Did they have a joy confessional? Where you'd walk and be like, okay, so I lost 10 pounds, I crushed it at work, and like, I'm basically the best lover my wife has ever seen in their, like, the history of the world. <laughs> Woo! And then the priest like, high-fives you and has like, a joy dance with you. Has anyone ever experienced that in a traditional church? 
And yet, if we take this stuff seriously, it seems like Jesus is, that's what Jesus and Paul are poking at. People ask me why I like the Bible so much. It's for moments like this, where it asks something or encourages me to do something that I had never, ever, ever thought about. And suddenly I'm spending my whole week going, how joyful am I feeling right now? How joyful are the things that I do that I think are spiritual making me? I was out dirt biking with my buddy. He's on stream today. We're sitting at the top of a ridge, kind of tired, looking out over the mountains. The mountains are like covered in snow. All of a sudden I just feel this insane joy. Like I get to be out here with someone that I like on a dirt bike. And I get to do this like every week. Where do you feel joy? I was thinking about all week. How many people feel joy at work? Do something good. Yeah, you achieve something. You accomplish something you've been trying to do. <laughs> you find this new school after yours burns down. That's a, that's a joy moment, right? How about relational joy? Did you ever come off of a conversation with someone in your life and you think, man, I am lucky to have this kind of a person in my life, to have these moments Social joy. We look around and we see things around us and we go, oh yeah, that's how this world should be. People rallying, people fighting for good causes that we believe in. Where do you feel joy in your life? As I thought through all these different parts of my life, I realized I started getting a little bit muddy. Because joy and feeling joyful can kind of be two things. We can have joy in our lives, which means I am a joyful person. A synonym would be an optimist. But that's not what I'm talking about. I think today what I'm talking about is moments of joy. I defined it this way. So this is a Vince definition. If you look it up in the dictionary, you will not find this. This is from my brain. Joy in this moment is a positive feeling in the moment that corresponds to words like delight, pride, curiosity, enthusiasm, gladness, tranquility, and moments of happiness. How much of your life is colored by joy? How much of your spiritual practice is creating joy? How much of your, your experience of traditional religion is tied to joy? that kind of joy. And again, it's not optimism. Uh, There's a a Greek lexicon for ancient Greece by a group named Loanida. They kind of have this, they took a different direction towards the dictionary. And they define joy, the word is chara. They define it as this, moments of gladness. It's not an optimistic side. As I researched this, I thought, is this about optimism? Is joy, like as I look at my spiritual practice, is it that I'm a joyful person? And the more I read it, I realized, no, that feeling of optimism, this kind of I'm a joyful person, that's genetic. 
You're kind of either born joyful or you're not born joyful. You're either born an optimist or you're not. Uh, a guy named Timothy Bates studied this with twins. I always want to know how do they do that. Do you take one twin and put them in a room? Do you take another twin and put them in a different room and then poke the one twin with a stick for a long time and then ask them how joyful they feel? Like how exactly do you study this? But what they found is optimism, the state of happiness, the state of joy, is tr- or more influenced by our genetics and our life experience. So if you're married to an optimist or a pessimist, there's nothing they can do about that. That's not a choice that we make. It's a state of being. It's part of our genes. But we can still feel moments of joy. We can still look at the glass half empty and still have a moment where we go, oh, actually, no, but this is really good. I think of it this way. Optimists have maybe hundreds of joyful moments per week. Pessimists have maybe a few. But it's those moments. And sometimes I think that the pessimists in our lives, there's something beautiful because they see the world through this kind of really honest, dark lens. And so when something good happens, it's truly good. It's not like me who's constantly seeing things with rose-colored glasses. Oh, yeah, I broke my leg. But, you know, it was only in three places, not four. That's great. Right? That's an optimist reaction. A pessimist goes, I broke my leg in three places, but the healthcare system can actually put me back together. So when you think about joy, this isn't something about optimism and a state of joy. This is moments. I was thinking of those of us with mental illness, like depression. Depression is defined as kind of this lack of hope. How do you feel moments of joy when you have a mental illness? Jordan Peterson, in his book, 12 Rules for Life, has this kind of beautiful thing. He says, a lot of what we do is we create the wrong um, goals. If you're depressed and you haven't been out of bed in 24 hours, your goal shouldn't be, I'm going to go run a half marathon today. Because your brain just can't get there. But if you have been under your covers for 24 hours, maybe your goal, and this is what the genius of Peterson's work says, find the smallest possible goal and try and achieve that. Maybe it's sitting up for a few minutes in bed. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's as you lay there in depression, it's uncovering your legs for a few minutes from the blanket and then covering it back up. And suddenly you have this spark where you go, wait, I did something. Does it feel like joy, like I just finished an ultra marathon? Probably not. But there's a spark. There's something, there's a potential. And so depending on where you are in this, whether you're genetically an optimist, whether you struggle with depression, and all the kind of the range between those, joy isn't this idea that I'm a happy person. It's finding moments. I was thinking a lot about people. So I have this whole metaphor that we all get dealt a hand in life. 
Some people's hands are like, you're beautiful, you're talented, you're successful, you know, that's the hand they got dealt. Other people, it's like, you know, you have a physical illness that no one knows how to treat. Um, you're born to a family that is completely dysfunctional. And so we all get dealt this a hand. And then we spend our lives trying to play our hand, these cards that we were dealt. And some people, the cards are easy. Some people, the cards are insanely tough. How do you feel joy when the cards you were dealt are just brutal? You're looking through your life and go, everything is just crap. And again, it's not a state. And for the people who are, who are dealt a really tough hand, it's this sense of going, I'm not a victim here. Yeah, the hand I got dealt, honestly, not an easy hand. There's not great cards in here. And yet I can still play them in ways that creates moments of joy. Small moments. As you look through the hand that you've been dealt in life, how have you played it? Have you played it in this way that's like, ah, screw this, this is unfair, I, I can't believe I have this, and this is brutal, and screw them, and... Or is it going, hey, I don't have a great hand here. I'm going to play it towards moments of joy. To moments that I, I actually appreciate and I think are positive. Suddenly I'm looking at the, the hand I've been dealt and going, how have I been playing this? People were saying this week, as we talked about this, how do I feel joy when I have pain? Right? <laughs> Trevor just finished a, a half marathon, so he walks in today. We're all like, ooh, he's not walking that smooth. How does joy and pain connect? Now, I know for some of us, <laughs> I have a picture of um, my run club. So there's a bunch of us that run from Friend Church. And one day, a couple years ago, it was minus 30. And so the text goes out, it's minus 30, do we want to run? And the answer is, hell yeah. So we're all bundled up and like at the end of this like hour run, we have this picture of us covered in ice because you know it's so freaking cold. But we have these big stupid grins on our face like we totally did it. Was it the most relaxing, comfortable run ever? No, we were trying not to freeze to death. So there's a part of us, this is kind of again how the hands dealt. Some people seem to have the ability to use pain to create joy. We'll push ourselves into a hard workout and that kind of the, the pain of that bounces us out into joy. Oh, that feels really good or thank goodness I get to get off my bike or yeah, that's done. But I've been learning more about, about how our brains handle pain. There's this idea called nociception. And what we're learning in science is that some of us, our brains don't work well with pain. So for some people, as you increase pain, your brain will be like, okay, the pain's going up, we're gonna turn the pain down. So then you can feel joy, right? I've been biking for 10 hours, everything hurts in my body, but oh, it feels so good to get off my bike, thank goodness. But some of us, 
have a pain system that's not functioning properly. And the more pain we feel, the more it triggers other pain. As you look through your life, has pain been something you embrace? Or does it feel like it's kind of a runaway train that as soon as something feels painful, someone even like gives you a massage that's a little bit painful, and suddenly everything hurts? Has your body gone that way? Because it would be very easy for me to sit up here and say, oh yeah, you can feel joy and pain. No problem. I can. But I have a very particular kind of nervous system that handles pain in a specific way. I get this sick pleasure around pain. My brother says, hey, you want to climb the top of a mountain? It'll take us three days. Yeah, we should totally do that. That'd be fun. But some of us have a nervous system that that turn-off switch, the part that turns off the pain, doesn't work. As you go through your life, think about how your pain system works. Can you easily feel joy when you feel pain? Or does it cascade? One pain leads to the next pain, leads to the next. Do you know people in your life? Every little pain, they just kind of go into a dark hole. What we're learning now is there's nothing they can, well, that's their brain working a very particular way. And so maybe part of what we're doing here in our spiritual practice isn't the classic things around spirituality, like, you know, I say a prayer, I do this, I, whatever your thing was, I don't do that. Maybe it's learning to work with a pain system that's un, not calibrated properly. Maybe it's someone like me who's a little too obsessed with pain and they can't feel joy unless they have a certain amount of pain that goes before it. As we look at joy now, and we start to explore this idea from Jesus that says, what if our spiritual journeys are measured by how much joy we feel? Suddenly the things we work on change, don't they? The things that bring joy, or maybe even more importantly, the things that don't bring joy. As I was talking to people about this, one friend, I was like, hey, there's this whole idea from Jesus that joy is a measure of our spiritual practice. He's like, oh, so we should all do, and pardon my French, but hookers and blow? And I was like, we went from what things bring you joy to you like went all the way to the far end and jumped in a ditch over there? the reaction that he had was kind of similar to me. I thought, I don't have a calibration. Because my tradition growing up in, in church was, if you're enjoying yourself, you're probably doing something wrong. I was talking to someone this week, lost 100 pounds of weight. Went from about 280 down to 180. It's about my size. I was like, holy crap, that's incredible. And he said, wow, whoa, whoa. No, it's, it's by the grace of God. And I thought, um, okay, what do you mean by that? Because I'm pretty sure you didn't eat a lot of food for the last year, and you lost 100 pounds. He was so scared of feeling joy. He was so scared that if he, didn't, if he took anything as, as his own, as I did something good, somehow his spiritual journey would falter because of it. I think it's the same thing. 
It's this idea that joy is so disconnected from spirituality that we don't know what to do with it. So let me ask again. Is your spiritual practice, is the things you do for your spirituality creating moments of joy? Or is it based on a confessional where it's, I did this wrong, I didn't do that. When I first started reading this, I thought, well, this can't be right. You know, I always went to the dark side of like, well, if we're going to let people enjoy themselves, we're all going to go off the deep end and do crazy things. This can't make any sense. And I could hear people from traditional church doing the same thing. Hookers and blow, or we're all going to just, you know, do whatever. There's a lot of cocaine references as I talk to people. I don't know why there's so much cocaine, but for some reason, joy, religion, and cocaine are somehow connected to people's minds. So I started looking through the Bible. There's this guy, we think it could be a king named Solomon, thought to be very wise, we're not sure. But he writes this book called Ecclesiastes. And at one point he says something, I had to paraphrase this, he says, You know, I did everything in life. I had all the money I wanted. I had all the power I wanted. I did whatever his version of hookers and blow was. And he says it was all meaningless. So I thought, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Good things, things that bring you joy. Well, that's bad. He's like, no, no, no. But here's what I found. Sitting with a good glass of wine, eating an incredible meal with people that I love, That's the meaning of life. Now, it's in the Bible, so I was assuming he'd say, and God, right? Because you're supposed to put that in there. No. Drinking a good coffee, wearing your favorite shirt so you look amazing, with people you love in a space that's transcendent. That's the meaning of life. That's joy how much of our spiritual practice is taking us there how much of our spiritual lives are seen pursuing that part of our lives doing things that we enjoy with people that we like in places that feel incredible wearing things that do that make us feel good as our spirituality Just so you know, I'm going to start up a joy booth. So if you have anything that you feel joy about and feel a little bit nervous about it, send me an email, Vince at Friend Church, or come talk to me after. Say, hey, look, I killed it at work. I ran this half marathon. I did this thing. We had a show that was incredible. You know, I lost 10 pounds. I gained 10 pounds. Whatever your thing is that you feel joy about, tell me. As part of your spiritual practice. And let me celebrate it with you. Because if Jesus is right, and if Paul's writing is right, and I think they're, they're onto something, they're asking us a really good question. They're saying, is your spirituality all about things you can't do? Or is it about the things that create joy inside in each and every one of us? Feel that. How much joy do you feel? How much joy do you feel connected to the traditional church. What things could increase your joy? And again, not a state of joy, moments of joy. 
Someone this week said, joy is a choice. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Finding moments of joy is a skill that we use, or we we develop. It's taking a moment and going, damn, this coffee tastes good. Wow, that's beautiful. Or this new car that I just bought. When I rev it up, one guy drove up. I had coffee with him. He drives a Jaguar. I, I finished the meeting, and I was like, he's like, are, are we done? Because I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I just want to hear your car drive away. I want to hear the exhaust on it. Brings me joy. Brings him joy. And he felt guilty about it. I was like, hey, do you feel joy about your car? He's like, oh, well, oh. hey, it's not the most expensive Jaguar you can get, and it's, it's a couple years old. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to justify it to me. Does it bring you joy? I said, yeah. Why do we feel bad about the things that bring us joy? What things in your life that you enjoy make you feel bad? Feel guilty about, oh, I can't have that. I can't, you know, I can't let myself do that. Bought myself something, I cared about this. My wife um, likes these shoes, they're called Fluvogs. Anyone ever heard of Fluvogs, these crazy high heels? You've heard of Fluvogs, you've seen her in Fluvogs. She always has this complex relationship. Should I buy them? I have a bunch of pairs. Do I need them? No, of course you don't. Can you afford them? Yes. Do they bring you joy? If you're really honest, do they bring you joy? Hell yes. She's got this big grin. As soon as she gets them home, she's like wearing them around the house. It's like, okay, what can we do that I can wear my shoes like? What can we do? But first she has to go through these moments of, ah, I shouldn't, ah. What if buying fluvogs was part of her spiritual practice? Babe, I know you're listening at home. Thumbs up. What things bring you joy that for some reason don't feel spiritual and that you're pushing away? What if we embrace those? And don't worry, you're not gonna go off the deep end. That's just fear mongering. So remember we started this thing of feeling joy in our hearts. And I told you for me, it's sitting in front of an insane stereo system. I'm gonna get the band to come up. For me, hearing incredible sound with amazing musicians singing songs that just move me brings me insane amounts of joy. So I was talking with the band this week saying, hey, you know, what can we do here? And I thought, well, you guys listening to me talk is kind of boring, right? I can tell you about joy, but did you feel joy? What if we just spend some time experiencing the joy of the music? Normally I'd have lyrics on the screen and I'd get you all to be like really in your heads like, hey, isn't that a really good lyric? Today, I'm not gonna show you any of that. I want you just to experience the music. Here are moments where they lift their voices and you just feel this like heart-opening joy where you're like, oh, that sounds insane, or a guitar lick or something. If you feel yourself getting all analytical and like, oh, well, what time is it? What am I gonna have for dinner? No, ignore that. Be in the moment. Feel the joy that is too late to the, yeah, 
they planned the band named Too Late to the Party. So I said, can we have a little Too Late to the Party concert? And they said, yeah, we'll do it. So sit back, put your feet up, get your dance shoes on, whatever brings you joy, and experience this moment as fully as you can through that question of what brings me joy. Look at, look at you guys run. I think you should take a bow. No, I know. So maybe we should feel some joy about the awesome performance. I could see the three of you. Uh, there was a little bit of joy coming out, so thank you for sharing that with all of us. What an interesting thing. Now, Vince giveaway is sort of my thing. My joy this morning, I got a medal. <laughs> I only had to run 21.1 kilometers and probably don't talk to me tomorrow because I won't be very functional. But it was still exciting. And there was a moment uh, in Bridgeland when five little kids <clears throat> put, out, <laughs> put out their hands and just high-fived you. And it was just like, wow. That was only 6K in. I would have liked to have had them at the 20K mark. That would have been more helpful, actually, if we could have rearranged them in terms of that morning. You know, one of the funny things, we, we come up and we talk about charitable giving. And Emily challenged us earlier this year, and I hadn't heard it, or it wasn't a concept that ever hit my mind about, can you be joyful about giving? Like, oh, man, usually when I take my wallet out and give things, do I, hold on, what if I was joyful about it? What if I did feel I was contributing? This church runs because of us. Now, I'd always love perfect motivation, but maybe that doesn't happen. But maybe just as part of this message, consider, like, where could it be joyful to give or what are the causes that I would really feel empowered if, if I came from a joyful place? Maybe if it started from the heart rather than from the headspace. So just consider that. Thank you, guys. We are a wonderful organization. Holy smokes, how can you not have a joyful day after this? Vince, you're wrapping us up. Okay, folks, as a joy booth moment, we kind of duffed that one. So let's try it again. Trevor, can you come back here, please? We're going to rewind. Trevor, what did you do this morning? I I ran 21.1 kilometers. (gasps) Woo! (laughs) Congrats, buddy. That's joy, right? Ah, I love it. Thank you to the band. Oh, man, I even went up onto the stage or onto the the balcony because if you sit near the back, the sound's crap. So I had to tell the people, come closer so you can hear the good sound because that's a spiritual moment, right? Okay, I'm going to take a completely different detour. Um, Thanks to everyone who was here today, all the tech people, but also thanks to the people over this weekend who volunteered as part of the casino. We were really able to raise a ton of money. And unfortunately, Neil Sanderson got stuck in a volunteer room for eight and a half hours with me with nothing to do. Poor guy. And so I started talking about my messages and upcoming series and all this stuff. And he's kind of like, oh, great, this is going to be on stage. Like, yes, it is. He says he, he was reading a study that said there's this new area of psychology called geopsychology. I was like, oh, you know, I'm completely interested in anything that I don't know. He said, okay, here, let's, let's play out a moment. Imagine your boss calls you into their office and then just, like, tears you a new one, just, like, destroys your, what you've been doing, how well you've been doing. Horrible performance review. Everyone's got this, like, dead quiet, ugh. Okay, now, two months later, your boss calls, says, hey, can I see in my office? What do you feel? It's kind of like that office is now poisoned. Is that the word we'd use? 
or bad juju or, I don't know, something's wrong. There's something in that office that's possessed and it doesn't feel good and I don't want to go there. Can science prove what's going on there? But we feel it, right? We can feel when a space, there's something wrong with the space. What is that? I was at St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican City. The big, massive thing. They have this little chapel on the side. I go into the chapel. I've told you guys this story. I kneel down on the bench. They have these kind of fold-down benches in Catholic systems. I didn't grow up Catholic. I don't know anything about Catholicism, really, other than what I studied. But I sit down. I look up at the cross, and suddenly my dead mother is in the room with me. And I'm like, hey, Mom, and I'm just freaking bawling my eyes out. I'm like, we're okay. Dad's okay. Was my mom in that room with me? Yeah. And no. If someone said prove it, I'd be like, that, yeah, I smoked something before I walked in there. I have no clue what happened. But for me, it was profoundly real. What do you do with those moments where you, you're in the mountains and suddenly the moment just moves your soul? Or you just feel this presence with you or this sense of there's something bigger in the world that cares about you and your parking spot at the mall. What do we do with this stuff? Science, I, you know, my undergrad's in engineering. Science doesn't have anything to say about this. They just go, ah, we don't know. That's the physical part of the world. As we look at our spiritual model, remember awareness, I, today we've talked a lot about I, what brings me joy. We know it spills into them and into we, but in the we, we have the sense of the physical part of our we. This is like, I hang out with my friends, I'm going for a drink with somebody, you know, I say this, don't say this. But what happens when we transcend the physical part of the we and I experience my dead mother in a chapel in the middle of nowhere? Or you have a moment where you feel comfort and you know you shouldn't have felt that. What do we do with those moments that have transcended the physical? I've never been good at talking about them. We use the words like poison. <laughs> the, the office is poisoned or bad juju. Someone said today in, the, in our meeting, I don't know, there's bad juju at my house. So he smudged it until it felt good. What do we do with this stuff? This is part of what we'd often say is the spiritual realm. When we talk about this, people kind of give me, first give me this funny look, and then they want to share a little story with me of like, yeah, okay, then this happened. Don't know what to do with that. Whew. How do we talk about this? As rational, scientific human beings that are not completely crazy, how do we integrate this into our lives? That's what the next series is going to be about. It's called Transcending the Physical. And yeah, we started working on it already and it's been an insane journey to try and find a way to bring this part of our lives into our regular lives in a way that's not crazy. So I would invite you all to come out. It doesn't start next week, it starts the week after. As we go, I'm gonna give you one piece of homework if you're okay with it. Find something that brought you joy at some point, today, the last week, Share it with somebody. Share it with me. If you need a high five, I am always your joy go-to high five person. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week.